Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What is up, Steelers Nation? Thank you so much for jumping on to another episode of All Steelers Talk. I'm Noah Strackbine, joined always by my main man, Stephen Thompson. Find us on YouTube.com slash All Steelers Talk and subscribe anywhere you get your podcast. The Pittsburgh Steelers, they have had themselves a week after plenty of criticism on both Mike Tomlin, Matt Canada, Kenny Pickett, everybody included they ran things up they said we're putting the pads on this week practice is going to be tougher Najee Harris had some very interesting words about his teammates and the coaching staff and the criticism from the outside noise we'll dive into that on top of two uh I want to say bold predictions from the Pat McAfee show that are definitely starting to circulate around the internet our keys to victory for Sunday's game against the Baltimore Ravens our picks and a pretty significant injury that we're going to start the show off with. But first, it is a beautiful day in the Berg. Just as you said, and we talked Wednesday and said, oh, man, you, I think it was your words. You said fake fall is over. Well, it's 95 degrees all week since you've said that. So I, I blame us. How you feel, my friend? I feel good, man. This is uh, an angry week. You know, everyone's mad. Yes. Everyone's man ball. It's, you know, we're getting <laughs> we're getting fierce again. You know, we're we're playing with authority again. So don't know how you can't get fired up listening to that stuff. You know, the Steelers are are bringing back bully ball. And so you got to you got to embody that. You know, you got to embrace that. You know, I like it. I like it. Bully ball is a real thing. We'll see what happens. Bully ball. It's a bad week for the Pittsburgh Steelers to be playing bully ball just because they are they are nicked up and they're nicked up bad. Not only Kenny down, but he has practiced fully, which is huge. And, you know, he anticipates playing on Sunday. I think that at this point he's playing on Sunday. It, the progression from him walking in the locker room went from no brace to like a like a brace that kind of looked like a compression brace like it was just like easing the the inflammation and stuff that was going on in there to a full like leg sleeve type situation and then the last time he walked in the locker room it was just a calf sleeve so i at that point i think tomorrow's just socks i think (laughs) everything will be fine i expect him to play on sunday but they're dealing with injuries roger jones gonna make his first start daniel jones isn't looking like he's gonna play either you got serious questions on the offensive line now a very significant injury for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Alex Highsmith pops up on Thursday's injury report with a groin injury, did not practice, came out of nowhere. I mean, alarming. How concerned are you with the injury? How big of a blow is this to the Pittsburgh Steelers against, especially against the Baltimore Ravens? 
you know, I was pretty concerned when I first saw it, you know, what, like 20 minutes, half hour ago. Um, yeah. But I think I've kind of talked myself down a little bit from it. Um, you know, for something to pop up like this so late, um, even though he didn't practice, this doesn't give me a whole lot of concern. I don't know how much he could have been doing at practice that would have really significantly set him back in a certain way. So I'm still kind of keeping him opt- an optimistic posture on it. I think he will he will end up playing. He probably won't practice for the rest of the week, quite honestly. But um, yeah. uh, but I, I think he'll still be out there for, for Sunday's game at 1 o'clock. Yeah, I, I don't look at Alex as a guy that needs to practice in order to play. I think that at this point, is if they could toss him out there, they're going to toss him out there. I also kind of look at it like, just like you said, like it popped up out of nowhere. So one of two things, either it is very significant, just happened, and that's very worrisome, or it's just kind of like uh, the groin was bothering him. He decided to sit one out after a physical practice on Wednesday. They came back, and on Thursday, we're just like, okay, let's keep you sidelined. Let's not risk anything. Everything will be okay. I, even if he doesn't practice Friday, like you said, I still think he's out there on Sunday. If something changes, I mean, that stinks. If it does change, if Alex is not out there, you know, Marcus Golden, Nick Herbig, how uh, how much faith you got in those guys? Actually, a lot of faith, quite honestly. I thought Marcus Golden has been pretty good this season. Nate, Nate Herbig, I feel like you haven't seen a – a whole lot of him, but uh, you know, I'm still encouraged by what we saw during the preseason and and yeah. early on in his career. So I think they'll be able to pick up the slack just fine. Obviously, it's it's a huge step down from a guy like Alex Highsmith, but I think Golden and Herbig can both be serv- serviceable. Excuse me, at the very least. Yeah, I agree. I, I I put a lot of faith in Marcus Golden. I think he's having a great year. Um, if he needs to start for a game, cool against the Baltimore Ravens. That's what stinks is just because. You know, you got to get to Lamar and you need as much pressure on Lamar as possible. That's how the Pittsburgh Steelers win these games is to just make that quarterback uncomfortable. But again, I have faith in Marcus Golden. I think he's done a lot this season. I think if he played a whole game, I would expect him to make an impact. Like it's not like years past where it's like, eh, well, you know, Alex Highsmith or TJ Watts out. Let's toss in Jameer Jones or Derek Tushka. You know, like Marcus Golden's a proven commodity in this in this league. He's a proven player in this league. I think it's a, a yeah. guy that you could turn to 100%. Um, Kenny playing, that's huge. Offensive line issues, like we said. Eh. The Steelers did ramp it up. They got physical this week. They said, like you said, bully ball's coming. We we got to stop playing soft, as Najee Harris put it. He uh, he had some very interesting words over the week. He uh, he came out and, well, he was he was very straightforward. This is not the coach's fault. This is not Matt Canada's fault. Everybody out there being ridiculous. He called the media out like four or five times just saying, do y'all know football? Do you know how y'all know how football works? Uh, This is just one of his quotes. Quote, the coaches can only coach. At the end of the day, we've got to do what we have to do. I see everybody talking about the coaching stuff, about playing, calling. Like, bruh, do y'all know how football works? Coaches can only coach. And then he kept going. We can't just keep looking at coaches as an outlet or whatever y'all are putting out there as an outlet. That's just stupid what y'all are doing, really. So I think his words were straight at the media, straight at, you know, guys like Stephen A. Smith going up three decimals, talking about Matt Canada, which was hilarious. Uh, Ryan Clark, a lot of former players blasting the offensive coordinator and probably ourselves included in that mix as well. Do you agree with them? Did you hear Najee's words and say, yeah, Naj, you're making a lot of sense, or did you have other thoughts? Well, I think Najee's maybe misconstruing what the conversation's about. Uh, it, yes. 
I think he sees it as us trying to find someone to singularly to blame when it's really okay. Who's most to blame, and who can, where can changes be made? You know, and offensive coordinator right now, like where the Steelers stand, is probably the easiest place for them to make a major change. Uh, it's easier than switching out the head coach. It's easier than switching out the roster wholesale. Uh, like everyone does have their fair share of blame to shoulder, but. Like I said, if we're thinking about midseason adjustments, there are some clear places where you can look for changes to happen. Um, even if you don't think Kenny Pickett's the guy, like you can't give up on a first round pick in his second year, and you know you're not going to bench him for Mitch Trubisky, and and there's no one on the roster that becomes a magical you know uh, plug and play upgrade for anyone on the offensive line. You can't just magically bring Deontay Johnson back, you know. Getting rid of the offensive coordinator, blaming the offensive coordinator is kind of the next logical step if you are thinking about where this team can feasibly make changes right now that will make make an immediate impact and make enough of an impact for them to really turn this season around. So that's just I, – I think it's a different perspective, and I think Najee sees certain things in the media, and once it's hitting you from so many different angles and so frequently when – the whole conversation centers around what Matt Canada is doing wrong. You can kind of internalize that and it can start to feel like, yeah, oh, everyone is just looking solely at the offensive coordinator when everyone kind of has a role to play in this. Yeah, that's what I, I think that for one, if you do a quick Google search and I think that's what happens, you know what I mean? I think players sometimes they go on Twitter and they search their names or they search the Pittsburgh Steelers or they go on Google and they search these things and friends and family are sending them stuff and, they just become aware of the situation, obviously. I mean, especially in Pittsburgh. I mean, they got ESPN on every channel. I mean, and I don't know how you do that. I don't know how you walk through that facility and watch these guys just bash your offensive coordinator and say, yeah, we're going to leave that on. But they do. I think you're right. You, as a quick search, as a quick was, this was brought to my attention because I'm a player and I'm trying very hard to avoid it, but I can't always. You will only hear Matt Canada is the problem. You will not hear yeah, everybody also thinks Kenny Pickett's the problem. Everybody also thinks your offensive line is the problem. Everybody also thinks the cornerbacks and the miscommunication on defense and the fact that TJ and Alex Highsmith did absolutely nothing against the Houston Texans and the run game on defense. Nobody hears all that. They just hear, well, Matt Canada is the issue. But quite frankly, you're, you're spot on. When a team is struggling this bad, you cannot fix everything. And if, if it is the players, you certainly can't fix everything. You can't look at the entire roster and say, well, we're just playing soft and we all stink. And that's the issue. Because if that is the issue, I mean, that is as concerning as it comes, but that also is a direct reflection of the Pittsburgh Steelers coaching staff. Why is it week four? And you guys have to have awful performances for four weeks before you have a sit down meeting and spark whatever fire you could possibly come up with. And then all of a sudden you're going to play good again. Why does that need to happen? Why can't it just come into the season and everything be good? Like what happened to the mojo after the preseason? Why can't, why do you need padded practices in week five? Because you aren't playing physical in a franchise that prides themselves on physicality. Where did you lose that? It's not the players that lost that. It's not the players who are going into games and saying, well, we weren't, we we're not physical because this isn't a physical game. No, it's direct line of coaching. Mike Tomlin said it himself. He said, you know, the first, when you are playing this bad, the first thing you have to do is look at coaching and how coaching prepares your guys. Yeah. The players might be an issue. And if the players are an issue, and I think that they are, like, I think, I think a lot of these guys are just not hitting the mark right now. 
but it is it is the coach's fault when players play this poorly. And the easiest change is not to fire Mike Tomlin or anything. It's to make a change at offensive coordinator because, well, you know, that's the guy that's supposed to get this offense rolling. And for three seasons now, he cannot. And for three seasons, it's not the players. You know what I mean? Yeah. Absolutely. And look, you can you can blame players, uh, you know, for a bad game or dropping. You know, you can blame players, I think, easily in small moments. And but at a certain point, when players start to play badly for so long, when the performance on the field is not lining up with your expectations for an extended period of time, then you have to look at the coaching. Then it becomes a much bigger conversation. And then it falls on the guys who control the big picture things. And that is the coaching. And that's that's been the case here. Um, It's not just, you know one game it's not just an attitude adjustment that's needed it's there's something structurally wrong yep. with this team and so that's why you look at the the people who control that structure yep that's that's all you could do either you look at it two ways one either your coaches do not have you ready to play games or two your coaches are not capable of developing you properly either way that is a huge issue and one that falls directly on the line of you need to make change. That being said, I expect this weekend to be a complete turnaround. I expect the Pittsburgh Steelers to be the Pittsburgh Steelers and do exactly what they did last year and just come in here and beat the Baltimore Ravens. And everybody for one week again is like, oh, my gosh, the Pittsburgh Steelers, they're back. This is it. Blah, blah, blah. But at the same time, and that's just the media, I think the fans are well aware that that is just as BS as BS comms, and that's just a one win. This is what the Pittsburgh Steelers are type of situation, but it's a uh, it's a tough place to be. I also fully anticipate, like, and maybe I'm alone here, but man, dude, I think the Fire Canada chants are going to be right from the jump, and I think they're going to be loud. Like, they, I think they're going to be ten times worse than they were in week two. And I, I think they're going to be like, I think the Pittsburgh Steelers could be up 20 points. I still think you're going to get fire, fire Canada chance. So do you think it's like first drive? Like, cause usually, oh, yeah. usually it's like, Oh, they go three and out in the first drive and then they start. Like, do you think that's, or... no, I think, I think the first time, if I had to guess, I think the first time they take the field offensively, the the first thing, the first thing, that the fans start to chant is fire Canada. Like, I don't even think they allow them to get a playoff just because I think that that's how like loud the message is right now. I think that every, I mean, we were, you sent it to the group chat last night. The, a, a, a pro wrestling event yeah. had a fire Canada sign. In California. Right? In California. We're nowhere near Pittsburgh and fans are just doing everything they can to tell the team, get rid of Mac Canada and the Steelers are not listening. And I don't think the Steelers should listen to the fans on everything. But I think the fans have every right to sit there and say, well, man, we are going to we are going to make it known. We are not going to stop, you know, and social media makes everything worse. And the fact that everybody is well aware that everybody else feels the same way, it's going to be relentless. I yeah. really do think it's going to be relentless. I, I was listening to to a podcast maybe last week or something. It, oh, no, it was after the Browns game. It was after those like that first round of big like fire candidate chance. And it's yeah. someone pointed out it is so rare to have a fan base this big that first of all knows who their offensive like to have that many people actually know who your offensive coordinator. Oh is. yeah, like. And then also know in Unision that like he is the he is the problem. He's the universally recognized problem, you know. Yep. And so just like the dynamic, like if it's a head coach, you know, everyone will know who their head coach is. They'll know if their quarterback stinks and stuff like that. 
the offensive coordinator, that guy is a little hidden. You know, he's like from the the very casual fan, but even the most casual fans in in Pittsburgh know who this guy is and know that that people don't like him. Dude, I'm gonna I'm gonna even one up this. Okay, so last night, me and my fiance Jillian are walking. Um, we're we're just we're just hanging out. We're just talking. Actually, we were we were walking over to dinner and. She's telling me about work and she's so she's a preschool teacher and she works with like she was she was in like three year old room or whatever. And they're going around and they're asking all the kids what they're what they want to be when they're older, what they want to be when they're adults. And this one kid is wearing a Steelers jersey. And when they get to him, he says, I want to be a baseball player. So they're like, oh, that's awesome, whatever. And then the little kid came over. He's like washing his hands. Jillian's helping him. And she says, I thought for sure you were going to say you wanted to be a football player because of your shirt. And he said, well, I did. But Matt Canada and the Steelers stink. That's what he said to her. <laughs> that's what he said to her. I swear. I was I was like, there's no way this kid knows who Matt Canada is. But he does because there's a 100% chance that his dad is sitting there watching this game every Sunday losing his mind yelling at Matt Canada on the television and this kid's like yeah man screw Matt Canada he stinks <laughs> I lost it lost it I was like there's no way that's how there's there's no other fan base in the world who where three-year-old kids are like man fire the offensive coordinator but that's yeah. where the Pittsburgh Steelers are and yeah. there's gonna be three-year-olds chanting at home yeah like, later that day Who's like that? That three-year-old's like Matt Canada's not using the middle of the field enough, man. He's not. He's not using Jalen Warren properly. Uh, I've had enough of this. Yeah, he completely surpassed Mike Tomlin. If he said Mike Tomlin, I'd be like, all right, that's fine. If he said the Steelers stink, fine. But like, dude, she, my fiance, barely, Jillian barely knows who Matt Canada is. Like, as very rarely do I talk about him, like in just casual conversation. And it, she was like, I knew as soon as as soon as he said it, I knew who he was just because I could put two and two together. I was like, wow, that is uh, that is incredible. So Sunday. Yeah, it's going to be rough. It is going to be it's going to be as bad as it gets. And I mean, to, to a degree, I'm like a little bit like no, I, I want to see what they bring. You know, I want to hey, see what the fans could, could curious. Come with. I'm yeah. morbidly curious. Like yeah. that is it's yeah. we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens with threats to our nation waiting around every corner. Adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Going with the coaching here, and we'll stick with the offensive coordinator first. The Pat McAfee show dropped uh, a couple of pretty big bombs that have made their way through the Internet. One of them about the offensive coordinator. And, you know, I think they all agreed collectively on the show. Matt Canna wasn't getting the job done. They played a clip of Ben Roethlisberger and his reaction to the fourth down play, the fourth and one call. And Ben went off about how he, he just hated the call and it was ridiculous and blah, blah, blah. And then they brought up the point, well, the Pittsburgh Steelers need a new play caller. It's very difficult to find a play caller midseason that understands your offense and that you can make that switch soon enough and in a turnaround, in a turntable, in a timeline, there it is, quickly enough to actually make it work. Well, what about somebody who knows the offense, who spent a lot of time in this offense, who knows the plays and knows the players around him, 
and could come in here and uh, just draw some plays up in the dirt and make things work. That player, obviously, Ben Roethlisberger, offensive coordinator, Ben Roethlisberger. I mean, it won't happen. We know that. Should it happen? Should Ben Roethlisberger be considered as the next offensive coordinator for the Pittsburgh Steelers? I'll leave it there. Should he should he be considered? No, no, I don't think so. This is, I, I don't know. This feels like a really kind of half-baked idea that they came up with. And, and like you said, it's not going to happen. But I, I would go with, like, how do I put, like, I would go with someone a little more, I would say forgiving. Because I yes. don't think, I don't know, because I think part of this is also, you'd be bringing in Ben to kind of mentor Kenny a little bit. And yeah. I don't know if Ben wants to do that. I don't know if Kenny wants that. I don't know if anyone really wants that. That would be, because Kenny would make a mistake and Ben would be like, well, why don't you just like do it better? If I was on the field, I would have just <laughs> done it better. Um, Give me a helmet. Give me, a, I still got it. Right. And, and so I, and I, 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 I think going from, I mean, people complained all the time that Matt Canada like hasn't proven himself as a play caller at yeah. a lot of levels of football. I mean, he's had a couple good years here and there at, at certain stops in like college, uh, but they haven't been overwhelmed by his experience and his record. I don't know how a guy with literally no experience would make anyone feel any better. Um, and I just, I don't know. I, I'm I'm still a little wary of Ben Roethlisberger. Pittsburgh Steelers coach in kind of any capacity. I think he could be a fine like advisor or something like that yeah. eventually, but right now I'm not so sure. Yeah, it's way too soon, in my opinion, to say, hey, come on back. And not because like you shouldn't welcome him back. You should most certainly welcome him back. But that's the thing, is that like he's still way too high in the praise of the Pittsburgh Steelers that it would you don't want to ruin that. You know what I mean? You don't you don't want you don't want things to get sticky. You don't want a situation to get ugly. You know, it's it'd be very difficult for Mike Tomlin and Ben Roethlisberger, in my opinion, to go from player coach relationship to coach coach relationship and essentially boss coach relationship. You know, like that. I just I think that would be very difficult if he does stink, which there's a 50 50 shot. He stinks. That's worse. You don't want that to happen whatsoever. And just like you said, like who Ben was and what made Ben so magical was Ben Roethlisberger. Like he was a totally different quarterback than any other quarterback in the NFL his entire career. The guy made plays that other quarterbacks could not could not make. He was like that's why he's a Hall of Famer because he was he was special in his own way. Like he was Ben Roethlisberger to come in here and say, "All right, Kenny, you know you're going to develop at the same time. I'm going to call plays. I'm going to make it. Like I think he can make everything work. I don't know if he can make Kenny Pickett work. You know, I don't know if he can make if he could design an offense and have the the thought process of making it an offense that Kenny could could fluently work in and succeed in right from the jump. I think in five years, if Kenny Pickett turns into like an all pro or a pro bowl or whatever, I think Ben Roethlisberger can make this offense ridiculous. But, you know, a quarterback who right now has a little bit of the yips, who's struggling in almost every facet of the game. Tough to say that somebody could come in here and say like, all right, we got it. You know, this is I can make things happen. I just don't. I think it's I think it's a gamble. That's not worth it. That's yeah. definitely like you don't want to hurt that relationship. But at the same time, like if if they did if they did move on from Matt Canada, if the bye week came and things got worse and they were like, all right, we're done. I think he's like the only option you have outside of Mike Sullivan to be like, all right, let's see what happens. Yeah, maybe. 
Uh, I you know I don't have that candidate list in front of me. I also think like I don't know Ben didn't really have a reputation as like a scheme junkie or anything, right? Like when no, nah, well he was he was a he was a draw plays in the dirt type of guy. Yeah, you know like he was uh so and that that always like poised the question of like just like you said like is he a scheme does he understand everything or was he just like all right well I know like I I could design the play. You know what I mean? Because there's so much that more that goes into it, right? Like sequencing is a big thing too, and I like yeah. I don't know if that's that ties into. I mean, I guess that's kind of like oh, you know, they've been showing me this look all game, so like let's try this. So maybe I don't know. Maybe he has some ideas of of how to draw up plays, but I also I don't know when someone's working against you so directly and working yes. against your thought process when you put that on film. That's that seems like a different animal than just doing it on the fly. Yeah, I agree. Like I, you don't want uh, the becoming a coach in the NFL is so difficult and there's so much that goes into it that like, you know, you don't want it to be Jeff Saturday where he comes yes, in here and yeah. he's like, I got no idea what I'm doing, you know, and, but don't be, I mean, don't get me wrong. If you, for like one game, if you brought Ben in and just sat him on the sideline and said, look at every, you know, you just, we're just going to bounce ideas off of each other. See what happens. I think if you gave him like half of a quarter or a full half or something, I think the Steelers are up 14. Oh, you know, I think they, It'd be I, like I think they score. It'd be like how Kenny in college, his last offensive coordinator, made him walk all the way over to the sidelines and then yeah. go back to the huddle. Like <laughs> yeah. they'd have to do that every play, but Ben would be showing him like a, a yeah. whiteboard or something that he's. They'd have the whole huddle. The huddle would come to the sideline, and then yeah. they'd all run out and get ready. And they'd yeah. be like, "All right, I got it. I got. I just know my route. That's enough." Yeah. So will it work? I don't know, but it's it's definitely fun to think about. The other thing that the Pat McAfee show dropped was uh, Mike Tomlin. They said that. It kind of feels like, and maybe I should pull up the exact quote, but it kind of feels like right now this could be the beginning of the end for Mike Tomlin. Um, I'm pulling it up here. There's a chance. Feels like there's a chance. Quote, it feels like this year the reactions from the people that are normally on Tomlin's side because there's always been detractors in Pittsburgh. Big word to be just tossing out there in the middle of a show. The people that are normally on his side seems like they're getting a little bit quiet. Could you imagine Art Rooney decides, all right, it's time to move on from Mike Tomlin. It feels like there's a chance of, it feels like there's a chance for that this year. And I've never felt like that. It's getting hard. I think that's the point that I'm trying to make all the people that have defended Tomlin. And I think we're part of that group. It's getting to the point where it's like, Hey, you're the only human not seeing what everybody else is seeing here. You're the only one. And when it becomes that, and we appreciate him dying on his shield and everything like that, there might be some changes at the end of the year. So for starters, Pat McAfee spot on with the Mike Tomlin dying on the shield and being the only person. I wouldn't say the only person because the players see it too, but the being so blinded from what everybody else in the whole world seemingly sees it, of what's wrong with the Pittsburgh Steelers or where the, uh, the big problem is with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Do you, I, I already know your answer to this, but do you think that there's any point to that? Do you think that, and how absurd is it to think, eh, well, maybe Tomlin's done? Well, I think it's, it's, I think he might have a little bit of something with the, this could be the beginning of the end because okay. I don't, like I said, I don't think, like you said, I don't think Tomlin's going to get fired. I don't think he deserves to. I don't think that's the right move at this point. But, I think at a certain point, it somewhere down the line, if the results kind of continue to to play out the same way, if they continue on kind of the same track, there is a point where you say, 
look, thank you for everything you've done. You had a great track record here, but we just need to go in a fresh direction. Yep. Um, and I think that would be a reasonable, like I said, a reasonable thing to say if this all kind of continues in the same direction. I mean, I think even if like you get another two years of like nine and eight or something, like at a certain point, you are aiming a little bit higher and doing doing more with less. Kind of the stuff that Mike Tomlin has a big reputation has a good reputation for. That's just not going to cut it for this team in this moment when they think they have a Super Bowl caliber roster. You know, um, yep. we're a long way from that. That's not like I wouldn't even put that on anyone's radar right now. But you know, like I said, if the results kind of continue to trend in the same direction, I don't think it's completely unreasonable to say, okay, well, Mike Tomlin's not a bad coach, but the Steelers might just need something different right now. Yeah, I think that if the Pittsburgh Steelers played more than two rookie head coaches this season, which that's all they've played. D'Amico Ryan's and whoever's in Indy. I don't know who's in Indy, but I know uh, it's somebody new. Uh, Steichen. He's from the Eagles. The, yes, the, Steichen. Yeah. There you go. Um, if they played, and he might not even be a rookie anymore. This might be his second year. I don't know. If they played more D'Amico Ryan's, if they played more of these very young, new, brand new head coaches, I think that, and they put on the performances that they had against the Houston Texans, which like is almost like expected. I think that that conversation has like an actual has some legs. point to it. Yeah, yeah, it's moving a little bit. You know, the ball is rolling. But the fact that you're going to go up against all these old head coaches and there's not that you can't have that conversation week after like you could have it after Houston. After Houston, that conversation needed to be had of well, D'Amico Ryan's is a brand new coach. He's three games into his NFL career and he just smoked Mike Tomlin in every facet of a game. His team was a hundred times more prepared, and his players and his game plan was a hundred times better than the Pittsburgh Steelers. If that happens in Indy, you you have a whole other conversation again. Okay, well, this just happened again. If there were more of those. I could see that conversation having some traction and you saying, okay, well like all these fresh young coaches are out coaching Mike Tomlin, but the fact that there's only two of them, it's, there's just not enough steam to generate, you know what I'm saying? And look at Mike Tomlin is definitely a huge contributing factor to the fact that Matt Canada is not getting fired, but Art Rooney is just, is just as big and just as much of a part of that as anybody else. And if he's not, if he's not even considering a change at offensive coordinator, what, what makes us think that at any moment he would consider a change at head coach? Like it just, it would never happen. It would just never happen. Now the beginning of the end can mean a couple of things. And I think that you're right with that. Like this could be the, the beginning of the end of the dominant Tomlin era, you know, where it just slowly sinks more and more into, well, the team is struggling more and more. The outcomes are lesser and lesser. Maybe that starts to happen. But I think it's nearly impossible that the Steelers ever get rid of Mike Tomlin. I just don't think that's a thing. Winning another Super Bowl, I think that could be another conversation. Yeah. And and I think it could be a lot like, you know, like Andy Reid with the Eagles. Like, yes, you know, like they could they could move on from Mike Tomlin and Mike Tomlin could still be a good, capable coach that, that goes to another team and, and builds them up into a great spot. And I think that's certainly possible, just as it's possible that everyone might need to move on. This just might be a stale situation. So yep. it, even if the Steelers do start to think about that, I don't think it's an indictment on, on his coaching ability. I think it just says something about the situation and, and where everyone is at right now. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Stale is a really good word. Like sometimes things just run their course and 
It is what it is. It is what it is. All right. Last thing I want to talk about the Pittsburgh Steelers. They host the Baltimore Ravens week four, week five. We are already five weeks into this bad boy. That is wild. Week five at Acrisure Stadium. Crowd's going to be nuts, but it is AFC North football. It is the Baltimore Ravens, the Pittsburgh Steelers and Baltimore Ravens. I don't care how bad either team is. I mean, we've seen some duels with Snoop Huntley and Mitch Trubisky, and they've been good times. So I expect a great game. Your key to victory heading into Sunday as Baltimore comes to town. Well, quite honestly, I'm a little bit more concerned about the the passing defense and the run defense at this point. Um, I think the run defense can be capable. I love the way that Keanu Benton is coming along. I thought uh, DeMarvin Leal has played some, has done some good things, and yep. there's room for improvement there, especially considering that T.J. Watt and Alex Smith didn't really do anything at all um, in the last game uh, against the Houston Texans. That's who they yes. Um But like Levi Wallace and Pat Pat Pete are who they are, and who they are has been pretty bad so far this year. Um, I think you need more from them. I think you need more from Minka. I think you need more from the other safeties as well. And you need all that to make Lamar one-dimensional. I, and I just trust their ability to stop the run if the back end of the defense holds up their their part of the their end of the bargain as well. Because we, we're gonna we focused on the 139 rushing yards that the Texans got last week, but let's not forget they gave up like 115 yards to Nico Collins as well. Yeah. Like it was not a sterling day for the passing defense either. CJ Stroud looked real comfortable. So that's on the defensive line as well. But like, I, I think you need more from these receivers or from these defensive backs to be able to hold up in pass coverage. And I think that's what I'm going to look for a little bit more. Yeah. I, I like that. I agree. I think it needs to be a big day from Patrick Peterson and Levi Wallace and maybe get a, a guy like Desmond King involved and, Look, you got to put Joey Porter out there at some point and just see what you got in him. I don't even know if you're going to get anything, but it just feels like, man, dude, just give him a shot. You know, just play him and see what you get out of him because what you're getting right now, not good enough. Um, I'm going to stick with the defense, but I'm actually going to go the other side and say it's the run defense. And I'm not like, I I think it, I think the pass defense is huge. I'm going to kind of stick to one name, Braden Fajoko. I think it is Braden Fajoko time. Terrell, uh, Terrell Austin said today that you make that Braden Fajoko is, I forget what he said. It was like, you, you create Braden Fajoko for these games. Like that's, mm-hmm. that's the type of game you create a Braden Fajoko for. I think you plug him right in the middle. And I love Montrevis Adams. I think he's having a great year, but I think you plug Braden Fajoko right in the middle and you say, okay, look at worst case scenario. They ain't moving. You know, like they, they're not getting two yards they and they, they're going to have to figure out other ways to go about it. Force Lamar Jackson to try and attack TJ Watt or try and attack Alex Highsmith with his legs. See how that works, because I could guarantee it's not going to work out in your favor if you're Lamar Jackson. Give give up the middle of the field or shut down the middle of the field and force everybody outside. And if you could do that, if you could dominate just right in that a gap, I think you do a lot of good in trying to shut down this offense and shut down guys like Gus Edwards and Lamar Jackson and Patrick Ricard and all those big bodies that, you know, like you might not do the damage that is a flowers or a Odo Beckham jr. Or Mark Andrews is going to do, but you're going to, you're going to make life so much more difficult if you are successful running up the middle for the defense. And if you could shut that down, boom, you know, like that. Now you, now you're run, you're a run heavy team, and you got to decide where I'm running the football, and you got to pick Alex Highsmith, T.J. Watt. I'm not, 
I'm not in favor of either of those guys. So I'm saying Braden Fajoko is my uh, key to victory this week. Yeah, I like that. I'm a big Braden Fajoko guy. I love his ability to just kind of eat up space in the middle of there. Um, I think if you plug Braden Fajoko in there and he does what he's supposed to do, which, like I said, just eat space up, plug the middle of the defense, uh, that opens up a lot of opportunities for TJ Watt and Alex Highsmith to really get active uh, and, and increases your chances of making Lamar Jackson one-dimensional. Um, he's a much better runner than he is a thrower. He's not a bad thrower, but he's much more dangerous with his legs and much more electric with his legs. So I think you are much more comfortable with him sitting in the pocket maybe. And and then also, again, just letting, you know, if you're able to stop the run a little bit more, especially up the middle, that allows Alex Highsmith and TJ Watt to, again, pin their ears back and really do what they do best. So I, I, I love that. I would love to see more Braden Fajoko in there. I, I, I'm a big fan of that. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I talked to him today and he said that, they told him to prepare as if he's going to get a helmet. Very excited. Also said that there is, he said the only, the only game that would be better to make a Steelers debut besides Steelers Ravens would be the Super Bowl. And I was like, ah, that's a, yeah, yeah fair enough. That's a good one. That's a good one. All right. Best time of the week. We, uh, we struggled mightily last week with this one. I don't even want to bring up the scores, but yeah. the Pittsburgh Steelers, four and a half point dogs to the Ravens in week five. I think I've already said this. I think the Pittsburgh Steelers are going to pull out a win, but we'll get to me in a second. What's your uh, what's your score? What's your picks here? Week five. For the first time this season, I'm going to pick against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, oh. I do not do not think they pull this one out. Um, you know, it's I got to see it, man. I don't. I think they can win this game. I think it's going to be close. I think they will cover that four and a half, but I just have a hard time seeing how they. Uh, I have a hard, t- not a hard time seeing how they pull this one out, but I just don't really see it happening. Um, they're just, they're not looking good. I don't like the injuries that they've had. I think they're going to be limited in some ways. So, uh, give me the Ravens 17, 13 this week, 17, 13 Ravens. Oof. okay. Um, I think the Steelers are going to pull this one out and it like, let me be clear. Okay. They're, the part of me that knows the Pittsburgh Steelers that has covered the Pittsburgh Steelers for as long as I have that, that has watched the Pittsburgh Steelers my entire life. This is a game they win. And that is why I believe that they're going to win. This is just what they do is ridiculous. This is where Mike Tomlin shines his best. And it's nonsense because you should shine your best when your team is good. Not when your team is bad, but that's what makes Mike Tomlin, Mike Tomlin. The logical part of me says the Pittsburgh Steelers are about to get smoked by the Ravens. Like it's it's going to be like a 24 to 6 game or something ridiculous. And it's going to be the end of the down it's going to be more of the downfall. They're going to go into the bye week. Things are going to be terrible. But I got to stick with my gut and I got to stick and my gut is even telling me like dude you're wrong. Like that's how that's how bad things have gotten. Like this is I just don't know there's a the part of me that is thinking logical says there's no way the Steelers can do this twice. They already did it last year. There's no way they could do this again. But this is just what they do. I'm going to say the Pittsburgh Steelers pull this one off. I'm going to say I'm going to say 20 I'm going to say 20 ah man. I'm going to say 23 to 21 Pittsburgh Steelers. I'm going to I'm going to say it's a last minute drive. Kenny Pickett puts it in the end zone. That's what he does best. Things are fine or 
It's a Chris, Chris Boswell kick to win it. Either way, this is a crunch time win. 23-21. Just enough to avoid the absolute blow-up of drama that would come heading into the into the bye week if they lost to the Baltimore Ravens in any, in any sense. But I do not think the Pittsburgh Steelers offense plays well. I think they just do enough to squeak by and get a win. 23-21. I feel awful about that pick. Well, the good news is I, I jinxed you, so I'm going to be wrong. And, and you're, we have uh, – I jinxed you, and now they're going to win this week. So that's uh, – I, I hope so. I, I hope so. But there's also a part of me that's like, you know, like some, maybe this is maybe, – maybe it's time to think logically instead of with my gut with these things, and maybe this will be, be my sign. Well, that's what I kept trying to do during the first few weeks. I was like, okay, you know, after the 49ers game, I was like, oh – well, you know, they don't look very good, but, like, I think there's going to be some regression in the mean. You know, week one's a little weird. We ended up getting it right against the, the Cleveland Browns. Kept it up against the against the Raiders, but came crashing down to earth against the Texans. I don't know. I, I'm starting to think too, too – starting to think a little bit too big, I think. I think yes. we need to think smaller about matchups. I think that's my – you know, think think less about big patterns and more about, you know, this, the, the individual situation. So that's Yeah, I agree. I agree. I don't know. We'll see what happens with that one. We're heading out of here. Thank you guys so much for jumping on to another episode of all Steelers talk. Make sure to subscribe to us on YouTube, youtube.com slash all Steelers talk and, and find us anywhere. You get your podcasts with plenty of injuries to watch plenty of updates heading into the weekend. And of course, all your game coverage, find everything at all Steelers.com and our pick coverage at inside the Panthers. Dot com. I will be back on Sunday with a little walkover, so check that out on our YouTube, and then me and you will be back on Monday. Enjoy a beautiful weekend in the Berg. Peace.